Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're honored that you join us here. Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. We chose that name because we believe that the words and ways of Jesus are very beautiful. And so each week we're bringing content to help make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and dive in to this past Sunday's sermon. I believe that God is still speaking today. Uh, You might think I'm crazy. You might feel like I've tried to hear the voice of the Lord. I just couldn't. I couldn't figure out if it was my own voice, my own thoughts, or actually God speaking to me. Maybe you think I'm hearing voices in my head, but I believe that God can speak to you, is speaking to you, that God spoke the whole world into existence. He spoke plant life into existence and animals into existence, and he's still speaking today. And I believe that one of the primary ways God speaks to his people is through his word, the Holy Scriptures. And so something I want to establish in today's sermon is this. If you've read the Bible, I believe that God has spoken to you. So we cannot say, if we've read the Bible, God has never spoken to me. Because I believe that God speaks through his word. And so as we continue with our series on daily devotions, I want to talk to you this morning about the beauty of connecting to the living God through his written word. I love this quote by A.W. Tozer, author, theologian. He writes, God is not silent. It is the nature of God to speak. The second person of the Holy Trinity is called the Word. The Bible is the inevitable outcome of God's continuous speech. It is the infallible declaration of his mind. And so Tozer talks about Jesus as the second person of the Trinity, the Word. And in this, he's referencing John chapter 1 in the New Testament, where God has his own son come to the world, and he's described as the world, the Word come flesh. And so if we could, let's read John 1, starting in verse 10. And if we could, could we stand up to honor the word of God this morning as I read the scripture out loud? Starting in verse 10. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. You may be seated. So the word became human in some translations. The word became flesh. And it's talking about Jesus, God's Son. And when Jesus first came to the earth, humanity rejected him. And my fear is when the word becomes flesh in our lives, when God speaks to us through his word, that we would reject him today. Because I believe that God wants us to connect with him through the word, but oftentimes we reject him. And if God is speaking to us, I believe that some of his messages in our inbox look like this. Let me show you a picture from something that looks a lot like my inboxes. Anybody get an anxiety just by seeing all of these unread notifications? Anybody here have notifications that look like this right now? May God have mercy on your soul. 
You know, a lot of our, our inboxes and our text boxes, is there, they're filled with messages, with red notifications. Why? Because we have received the messages, but we haven't re read them for ourselves. We haven't interacted with them for ourselves. And something the kids call this is leaving people on red. It's when someone sends you a message, maybe you acknowledge it, you look at it, you read it, but you don't really interact with it. You don't respond to it. Anybody here been left unread by someone in this very room? <laughs> in first service, several people pointed at me. And to that, I apologize to you if I have left you unread. Sometimes I get a message, and I am a crockpot thinker. And I'm thinking, I, I like this question. I acknowledge it but I don't know how I'm going to respond to it. So I don't that day. And then the years go on. And I realize I've not responded. Anybody with me? I like to stew on this. Or someone asked me to hang out, and I, I don't know if I can. And so I, I go to talk to my wife. Will this work with our family calendar? But then the years go by. I don't talk to her, and I don't talk to you. And I leave you on red. I am... Sorry, Lord, have mercy on me today in the presence of God's people. And so we leave people on red, and it's the worst when my wife, Amritha, she texts me while we're in the same room. I don't know she's in the room. She texts me. I look at my phone, and I put it down thinking I'm safe. But she sees me ignoring her, and she says, how dare you? And I say, where did you come from? She says, I'm always watching. How dare you not respond to my text while I'm in the very room you're in? You've left me unread. And to that, I apologize to my wife. You know, this idea of receiving messages but not reading them or acknowledging them is something that we deal with. And I believe that God is sending us messages, insights, interactions through his written word. But sadly, we leave him unread. I wrote it like this. God sent you a message in the Bible. Don't leave him on red. You know, I was reading this report about Bible reading in America, and I saw this in Christianity Today. It said 26 million Americans stopped reading the Bible regularly during COVID. In 2021, about 50% of Americans said they read the Bible on their own at least three or four times per year. And that percentage had stayed more or less steady since 2011. But in 2022, it dropped 11 points. Now only 39% say they read the Bible multiple times per year or more. It is the steepest, sharpest decline on record. And so there's a, a decline in Bible reading. And I, I believe that this breaks the heart of God because he wants to communicate to his people, the people that bear his image the people that he loves very much, the people that he wants a personal relationship with. And I get it. The scripture is a difficult book and we're distracted people. We're busy people. Or we read this and it just feels like I'm not getting anything out of it. Where do I begin? How do I start? How do I navigate? But I'm telling you what, even with all those challenges, this is a book worth reading. This is a book that carries the life of the living God. It's God wanting to communicate, lead, guide us, help us. And I know many of us, we're like, I wish I could hear the voice of God because if I did, I, I would obey him immediately. 
If you told me to do this or go this way, take this job or marry this person or start this relationship, if God would speak to me, I would obey, but I'm just not confident I hear his voice. And in life's emergencies or when we're trying to make decisions and trying to choose a direction for life, it's then I've noticed we try to cultivate the muscle of hearing the voice of God. But can I encourage you? Don't try to begin learning to hear the voice of God when you're in an emergency. Don't try to begin hearing the voice of God when you're trying to make a decision because you'll, you'll find that it's difficult and that muscle isn't developed because I believe we need to, right now, cultivate this ability to have a two-way relationship with God. Before the storms of life come, we build our lives on the rock. And my friends, storms are coming to all of our lives. And we must be grounded on the word before those storms come. Don't wait for an emergency or life decision to start learning how to hear the voice of God. And so today, I, I want to bring just a a primer on hearing the voice of God. This isn't like a toolkit on the best practices of reading the word of God, but hopefully I want to just bring an appetite, a hunger, and a desire to encounter the Lord in your daily devotions through the word of God. And so one thing I want to share is that we read the Bible to know Jesus. This Bible isn't just intellectual stimulation. It's not just to puff our heads up with knowledge. It's not just to understand theology. Those are important things. But the primary goal of the scripture is for you to know Jesus, for him to reveal himself, that you would open this thing up and you say, oh, I know the names of God. I know the story of God. I know the experience of God. I know the will of God. I know the very heart of God. I know Jesus for myself. The scripture doesn't save you. And the goal of reading the Bible isn't to fall in love with the Bible, but it's to fall and know and love with Jesus. And so the scriptures point us to Jesus. From the Old to the New Testament, every book of the Bible points us to Jesus. And uh, I, I love this scripture in John 5, 39. Jesus says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures, they point to me. From the Old and New Testament, Jesus says, the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. And so the word of God points us to Jesus. You know, when my wife Amrita and I first started to fall in like in Colorado, uh, we used to text back and forth all the time in the morning, sup, <laughs> just romance at night, night. Just all day in between texting about what we're thinking, what we're doing, what we're observing, just talking for the sake of talking. And mind you, this was the days before the iPhone. This was texting with T9. Has anybody here ever texted with T9? It's a long and arduous process. It's not pretty, it's not glamorous, but it gets the job done. And so we're texting our hearts and emotions and our thoughts and our minds to each other. And it's helping us to get to know each other. And then Amritha goes on a trip to India. And we're not able to text. And this is Amritha's first trip back to India since she was adopted from India as a little girl and grew up in Kansas, of all places. 
Now, I was born in Minnesota, and I went back to the, my motherland, Sri Lanka, and it was such a transformative experience for me. I felt like I was in touch with my culture, my family I'd never met, learned cultural customs and all these experiences, and it shaped me, and it was so important. And so I was like, this is really important for Amritha. I'm going to write her a letter for each of her 12 days that she's in the country, and I'm going to share some of my experiences and my heart and some advice for her so she doesn't feel alone on this journey of inward exploration as she sees India for the first time. I'm giving her some practical tips, like you're going to see heads shaking this way and that way. Don't be alarmed. Food might be a little spicier than you're used to in Kansas. That's okay. Enjoy what we call flavor. <laughs> it's a good thing. Trust me. And, uh, and then I just shared, like, this is how the Lord shaped me, and this is what I learned about myself. And so she's reading these letters, numbered 1 through 12. She's opening them every single day. And then her family says, who's writing you these letters? She said, oh, it's just a friend. And they're like, is that friend a boy? She's like, yeah, but he doesn't like me, you know. He just, and they're like, no 22-year-old boy is writing handwritten letters to just a friend. This is an expression of intimacy, getting to know each other. And now two kids later, I'm starting to think they're right. You know, these letters of communication, though they were written, they were still intimate. And I believe that the word of God is him revealing himself to us, his thoughts, his desires, his intimacy. And for those of us who want to go deeper into the presence of the Lord, who want to know God personally, not just historical stories, but to know the living, breathing God, I'm telling you, he wants to reveal himself through the scripture. You know, I went to a Bible university called Oral Roberts, and it was a little charismatic, a little tent revival, healing-esque. And uh, there is this sermon that Oral Roberts, this healing evangelist, he preached, and he talks about Jesus revealing himself through the scriptures from Genesis through Revelation, every book of the Bible. And I, I want to I preach a little excerpt of that. So I might get a little charismatic right now. And so I need you to join me. In fact, uh, I don't know if we have an organ player here, anybody, but feel free to jump up here. Uh, is Andrew Jennings here? He said he would play. Can someone go get him? Can everybody just cheer for Andrew Jennings? Andrew, 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 Andrew. Because in this sermon, Jesus is, uh, is the one that's pointed to in every single book of the Bible. Andrew, please, I need some organ, because Ori is a fellow graduate from Oral Roberts University, so he knows what I'm going for. So uh, I'm going to also need you to help me preach this a little bit, because it's, it's been a while since I've put on my tent revival hat on, okay? And so are you ready to hear the word of God, Kalos Church? Come on, I'm going to need better than that. Are you ready to see how, how the scriptures are? They point to Jesus in every book of the Bible. So here we go. Who's ready? I believe you are. 
In the book of Genesis, Jesus is the seed of the woman that the Father promised Adam and Eve. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is the high priest. In Numbers, he is the smitten rock. Come on, somebody. In Deuteronomy, he is the prophet. In Joshua, the captain of the Lord of hosts. In Judges, he is the creator and the final judge. In Ruth, he is the heavenly kinsman redeemer. In Samuel, he is the anointed one. In King of Kings, he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In Chronicles, he is the glory of God in the temple. In Ezra, he is the teacher who comes from God. In Nehemiah, he is a rebuilder of broken lives. In Esther, he is the protector of his people. In Job, he is the only comforter in times of trouble. In Psalms, he is our good shepherd. In Proverbs, he is the wisdom of God. Ecclesiastes, he is a preacher of the kingdom of God. In Song of Songs, he is the bridegroom who is coming to his bride, the church. In Isaiah, he is the mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah, he is the potter who shapes. In Ezekiel, the wheel inside the wheel. In Joel, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Jonah, the salvation of our Lord. In Micah, he is the great intercessor. In Habakkuk, he is the God of mercy. Zephaniah, he is the establisher of the kingdom of God upon the earth. In Haggai, he is the desire of all nations. In Zechariah, he is the branch of Jehovah. In Malachi, he is the refiner's fire. Before Abraham was, I am that I am. Yo, we are in the New Testament, people. In, come on. In Mark, the miracle worker. In Luke, the great physician. In John, the Lamb of God. In Acts, the risen Lord. In Romans, our justification. Corinthians, our sanctification. In Galatians, our liberation. In Ephesians, our perfection. In Philippians, our joy. In Timothy, the judge of all men. In Titus, the redeemer of the world. In Hebrews, the author and finisher of our salvation. In James, the healer of all nations. In John's, oh, thank you. In John's epistles, he is the word of God. In Jude, he is the coming Lord. In Revelation, he is the Alpha and the Omega, the root of Jesse, the root of David, the Lamb of God, the Word of God, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. Can we give it up to the Lord, the author, and the finisher of our faith, the first and last, the one who reigns the heavens and the earth. And all God's people said, Amen. Jesus was revealed from Genesis through Revelation. Come on, somebody. We just went to church. Woo! Man, that $80,000 at ORU was worth it for this moment. All right. And so Jesus is revealed through all the scriptures, revealing himself. Number two, I believe that we get in the word so that the word can get in us. And so this thing is living. It's breathing. It's active. It speaks to us. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's inside of us. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I love this, and I want you to notice the, the intimacy of the word, the, the personality, the person of Jesus, what he does through the word. And in Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Christ loves the church. And gave himself up for her 
to make her holy. And notice this, how does God make the church holy? How are we cleansed? Cleansing her by the washing with water, say it with me, through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And so God is actively washing his church with the word of God. That means it's, it's interactive. That means the word of God is changing us. It's cleansing us. It's transforming us. It's not just about us gaining knowledge. It's not just about us being informed. It's about us being transformed, having our minds renewed by the word of the Lord daily, interactively, because it's living and active. And I don't know if you've ever bathed someone especially an adult, but it is intimate. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> but Jesus wants to wash his bride with the word. You know, I was gifted this Bible in 1993, my first very Bible, and it has my name on it, Pradeep and Jeeva. And I remember the first time I went to church as a high schooler of my own will. I wasn't a Christian at all, didn't know the gospel, but people thought I was Christian because I had a Bible with my name on it. And I think that was a pretty safe assumption because when you're in the word, the word gets in you and it, it, it develops that kind of relationship with God. But I, I, I remember going to a youth service and the preacher, he preached the, the simple word of God, the pure gospel. And I'm telling you what, the words leapt off the page and I was thinking, he's speaking to my very soul. Does someone tell him what I'm going through? Does someone tell that pastor what I'm thinking? Because these words were designed for me today as I am. Have you ever felt that? Where the words of God just leapt off the page? I'm telling you, it's living and active. And I remember I, I decided to give my life to Jesus and I started to obsess over this word. I remember one weekend uh, I'm at home and my, my friend calls me on a Sunday night. He's like, hey, what did you do all weekend? I said, this is like 13-year-old pretty. I said, I read the New Testament. He's like, what? I've been Christian my whole life. I don't think I've ever done that. I was like, I, I need this. It's become a foundation for my life because God started to speak to my identity and, and start to help me grow up in character and feel like I had purpose. Like This was a time in my life where I had attempted to end my life twice. This was a time in my life where I was a, a kid named Pradeep and Jeeva Manohar in Sivaratnam in a city called Coon Rapids, Minnesota. I always felt different and other, but in the word of God, I felt seen and known. I felt the image of God that I carry, like I had family. And I'm telling you what, the words began to shape me and leave off the page, and it changed me from the inside out. I remember I, I was like, okay, I'm a Christian now. I guess I got I to gotta memorize the Gospels. So I started in the book of Matthew. I said, I'm going to memorize this thing. Well, if you've ever read Matthew, it starts off with a genealogy, which is a list of descendants, a lot of names. And I memorized them all. And then my youth pastor was like, you don't have to do that. I was like, thank God. I know a lot of names, but that was, that was tough. But just doing the hard work, though, of getting in the word, struggling with the word, like going through things that were boring, they stopped being boring as I learned the background and the context and the culture. And if you read a letter written to someone else, yeah, of course it's boring. It's not a letter to you. 
But when you start to see that this is a word from God in season, that's living and active and God is wanting to communicate to you personally, it stops being so boring. A love letter written to someone else is boring. A love letter written to you changes everything. And the words began to shape me. And I know the Bible is written to a particular people and a, a particular place. And we have to do the work of understanding that. But I'm telling you what, God wants to give you a word in due season. And so it began to change me. I remember reading words like, thou shalt not steal. And I said, all right, I'm going to stop stealing. Even though, God, you stole my heart, so you're kind of a hypocrite. But I guess I will. I began to honor my mother and father. I began to see myself as a person with purpose. I mean, even my freshman year in high school, as I was becoming a Christian, I was in like one of the easiest classes our school had to offer. It was like high school band, and I played the drums. I didn't even have to learn how to read like all the notes. I just played the cymbal. In fact, I was in the marching band. I just held the cymbal while someone else drummed on it. And I failed that class. I was not academically inclined. But I started to, to read verses and memorize them, hiding them in my heart, like Joshua 1.8, meditate on the word day and night so that you might be faithful to remember it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful in all of your ways. As I got into the word, the word started to get into me. It started to shape me. And my mind was renewed. And I was going from glory to glory. And I went from failing in my freshman classes to then being the graduation speaker for my senior year in high school and my senior year in college. I'm telling you what, it changed me. It transformed me. And I believe the same thing can happen to you from the inside out. I mean, I feel so lucky that I get to write sermons every week because I'm in the Word like eight hours a week minimum. I'm meditating on it. I'm soaking on it. And like these sermons are 30 minutes. They're distilled versions of it. And nobody benefits from preaching more than the preacher because I get to sit with the living and active God who brings me to tears as he gives me a word in due season. And so in that season of just getting obsessed in the word, I learned some cliche principles that became true to me, but I want to read them to you. If your Bible is falling apart, you probably aren't. And so we get in the word so the word can get in you. So don't just read the Bible. Let the Bible read you. And I believe that it will transform you. And uh, I want you to imagine that Amritha... Got those letters in India, right? And then she comes back, falling in like with her, almost falling in love. I wrote her all these letters, handwritten. And I go, hey, what did you think of the letters? What did you think? Putting my heart out on the line, a little nervous, a little anxious. What did you think? Are you, are you like embarrassed of me? Did I say something dumb? And then she says, actually, pretty bad. I, I just didn't read them. Oh, man. I'd be devastated, right? I poured my heart and soul. And you didn't even read them? It was, a, it was meant to be a, a help. It was meant to be a guide. It was me sharing my very being, my, my heart, the essence of something that's transformed my life very deeply. And you didn't have the time to read it. You had access to it. But you just didn't take the time to dive into it. Man, my, my heart would be devastated. And, you know, when God is trying to develop this intimate relationship with you and we just, we leave him on red, I think it breaks his heart. Not in a legalistic or condemning way. It's because he loves you. God isn't embarrassed of you. He doesn't want to avoid you. 
He wants to dwell with his people. And when he came as Jesus on earth for the first time, the world rejected him. But I pray that we don't reject his word today. And I, I want to kind of give you an encouragement and a warning here that Jesus says in Matthew 13, 12. He says concerning his word, his teachings, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. And you'll, you'll find as you grow in understanding, you'll grow in more understanding. You'll learn. And you'll get wisdom and revelation. You'll uh, just experience the oracles, the mysteries of God. And they'll have an abundance of knowledge. But here's the warning. But for those who are, who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. And so if you're not stewarding the word of God right now, if it's collecting dust and you're wondering, why don't I feel like I'm going deeper in my faith? Why don't I feel the presence of the Lord? Why don't I feel an intimacy? Why does it feel boring? So I'm telling you, here's the warning for those of us who neglect the word of God, even what we have will be taken away. But the promise is when you ask, you're going to find God is more than willing to reveal himself to you. When you seek, you will find when you knock, the door will be open. And so I know a, little, a lot of us, when we're going through hard times, we ask for a specific word from the Lord. Lord, should I take this job? Should I, should I go on a date with this person? Should I marry this person? What should I do with my kids? Like, uh, give me a direction for my career. We're asking for a specific, customized word from God when we haven't even opened up the letters he's given us. I feel that's a little insulting. It's a little insulting. Hey, before, before you ask for a new word, read the old word. And I, I, I believe he will show you something. So, you know, if you're not sure where to start, I encourage you to just start with the book of Mark. It's like a Christian manifesto. It'll bring you into the eyes of Jesus, his words, his ways, his saying. And it's going to be awkward. I'm not trying to give you all the practical tips. We have other sermons like that. But I, I want you to struggle with this. I want you to wrestle with it. Because when you, you wrestle with the rock, it's not the rock that changes, you change. And so go through the awkwardness, go through the boring, and let God reveal himself to you. And I believe you're here at church because you want to know God. And the good news of the gospel is he died on the cross so that you can know him because he wants to know you. He loves you. Amen. So who's hungry for the word of God this morning? Can we give God some praise? Thank you, Lord, for your word. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to steward the words that you've already given us so that we could have more understanding of who you are, what your names are, what you're doing, what you've done, what you desire, what you hate. Lord, we want to know everything about you. Lord, would you help us know you, Jesus? Would you help us take you at your word this morning? Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. We'll be back here every week with fresh content. But hey, I want to give you an invitation to our Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you in person. We have multiple service times every single Sunday morning in downtown Bellevue, Washington. If you would be interested in joining us, just go to www.kalos.church. All the information you need is there. You can actually even click a link to sign up and save a seat so we can help make sure you feel comfortable coming and hanging out with us in person. So thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.